Hello and welcome to episode 248 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm the bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Join me as always is the pleasant League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I tell you what, today is not going to be the day that I'm going to be pleasant. <laughs> I'm going to be far, far from pleasant today. Are you going to be angry like the lawnmower 3.0 is when it deals with pubic hair? Angry but subtle. And gentle. Because <laughs> the Lawnmower 3.0 is the best manscaping equipment that money can buy. And if you go to manscaped.com and you put in the code NRL, you get 20% off and free shipping of everything on their website. You know, when you use Manscaped's products, you look better and you feel better and you perform better. It's just the way it is. So go to manscaped.com. The Lawnmower 3.0 is great. I personally say get the perfect package. Go for the whole shebang. Go and get that. Put it in your checkout. Put in the code NRL. 20% off free shipping. You get a 30-day money-back guarantee, but you won't need it. And the the thing about the Lawnmower 3.0, it's waterproof. It's got a light. It's fantastic. And it's got the charge that it keeps. keeps the charge forever. So uh, it's, it's brilliant. It, it will change your life. So go there, put in the code NRL, and support the people that support the Fergo and the Freak podcast. Absolutely. And uh, I've got a killer segue. Shall I rip into it? Go for it. The Lawnmower 3.0 cuts hair quicker than the Super League cut the Toronto Wolfpack. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I... pretty damn quick. <clears throat> you so, know, it's a... Was... Go on. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, today the news came out that... Uh, the RFL went well, to the Super League. Yeah, they yeah. well they went to a uh, some sort of weird uh, meeting where they and the other remaining eleven teams in the Super League competition decided to vote on the future of the Toronto Wolfpack and whether they should be allowed to be readmitted into the comp for next year. Mm-hmm. And Leeds, St Helens, and was it Wigan? No, Catalans. Leeds and Nons Catalans all voted in favour for Toronto to continue. And the RFL apparently voted alongside them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Elston, the I think he's the chair of the RFL or the Super League, which one of the two? Super League, Super League. Um, he apparently voted against Toronto mm-hmm. along with the other clubs. And so with that, uh, the final vote was 9-4 to four against Toronto and pff, they're gone. Yeah, and look, in a year where we're having to deal with the pandemic and any team that is based outside of a country where the main competition is in, and it's the same thing we saw with the New Zealand Warriors where they are outside of Australia, it's very, very difficult just right from the get-go. Toronto had issues with the fact that, you know, the borders shut down. And then because they're a Canadian team, they didn't get any funding for the players and the staff from the government because they're not, they weren't British team. Uh, they had to pull out of the competition. They had money issues. And, you know, I can't believe, I can't believe that British Rugby League overall has had this pathway in place for a club where they've said, 
you can start from the bottom and work your way through and invest to become part of Super League. And they said, okay. And they got little to no support at any time. And they worked their way right through the system in a way that was it was like a miracle looking at it from afar. And they established a supporter base in Toronto. They were actually on the news over there. They had a real buzz. They had a unique game day experience that Canadians, local Canadian people were going to and were really excited about. And then they get to Super League and there's a little bit of a problem with this season, which all clubs are facing, and Super League just cuts their head off. There is no way anyone is going to invest in British Rugby League going forward because there is no guarantee that no matter what you do, you will ever, ever, ever be welcome at that table. And we've seen it before. How many teams do we have to see taken over? Like Richard Branson used to own the London Broncos. Yep. Richard Branson. Yeah. Could you think of a better person to own the London Broncos? That, you know, he he found out. Then you got Kokash at Salford, yep. who they screwed over again and again and again. It. British Rugby League is really... And look, it's look, not the well, just say, Look at all the times they've ventured into Wales. Ah. Um, the Celtic Crusaders. Celtic Crusaders, another one. Wrexham. Yeah. They just... They do not like outsiders. Gateshead. How about Gateshead Thunder? That was another fucking disaster. It's just... You, it is the worst place to invest. They've killed any sort of investment in rugby league in in the UK you wouldn't do it and you know they're happy what they really want and this is not the fans i want british fans to know i know it's not you guys cuz i saw overwhelming support from british fans last night for the wolf pack like not even oh, close yeah. I, I i very rarely have seen them all pull in the same direction like they did last night but the the people that run the game they honest to goodness just want it to be the old M62 competition. They don't have to be Yorkshire versus Lancashire. They don't care about anything else. And they're going to be responsible for watching over the game die. It's really sad. It's the end. It's still the end running of the game like it's, league for me. They're still running the game like it's 1980 when it was, on, you know, still strong and going well. And mm. you just can't be doing that anymore. You just can't. And, look, the thing that gets me about this meeting is... It's how weak willed the actual, you know, Super League was because they voted in favour of keeping Toronto, which to me seems like a token gesture because if they really wanted to keep Toronto, they wouldn't have allowed the other clubs, all self interested in their own survival, to vote on Toronto's future because you would know very quickly and very easily that none of those teams are going to be sitting there and say, yeah, let's keep Toronto in the comp. The fact they had three other sides say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that I, I've got a huge amount more respect for those three teams for saying for saying yes to that. Um, I'm pretty sure it was St. Helens, Leeds, and Catalan. And I'm not surprised Catalan's there. France has a long history of um, being pro-expansion and promoting the game. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, so yeah, I, I get the impression that the Super League kind of wanted them gone. I wouldn't be surprised if the meeting was a show of hands and they would have sat there and watched 
St. Helens, Leeds and Catalan put their hands up saying, yeah, we want to keep Toronto. And then they've gone, okay, it looks like Catalan's, uh, it looks like um, Toronto's going to be out. We'll put our hand up and say we support them as well, knowing that we're still going to get our vote and we'll get what we want anyway. It'd be something pissy like that. I can't believe that if they genuinely wanted to keep Toronto in there, they didn't just go and do it. How spineless is that administration? It really is. And, I mean, if you are an administrator of Super League and you're overlooking a competition that is facing drastic... I mean, this is the worst season that the, the British Rugby League has had for a long time because of COVID. But you are also facing down the barrel of having Sky funding slashed if Sky decides to bid for Super League at all. Mm. And you have to look for new ways to bring money into the sport. And you can't do that through small towns. You just can't. You know, it's it's business. It's really basic business. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> you you are going to people and saying, well, you've got to make a, a, a financial, you know, a financial reason why we should be having a team in North America, in the biggest sporting market in the world, in a city of 6.1 million people. You know, they were saying that the the Toronto market was saturated with sporting teams, which is absolutely ridiculous. No, you know, what's crazy is the M62 is fucking saturated with rugby league teams, but that doesn't seem to be an issue. Yeah, exactly. How, uh, come, how come Bradford didn't have to go through all this drama when they went broke? Mate, how come the game spent so much more care and had so much more passion to keep Odsel a fucking second-tier second football ground than they did about an expansion into North America. Yeah. That's where, they're in, that's, where, that's where they're at. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It really is. And, I mean, they're going to they're gonna die on this hill. They really are because they're going to get less money. They're already a... You could already say that Super League's a semi-professional competition because they removed the uh, lower end of the, the minimum salary. Yep. You know, for teams. So these squads are already running out semi-professional players. Mm-hmm. The, the salary cap is going to fall when the Sky money falls if Sky comes to the table, as I said. Yeah. You know, Super League is literally a, a couple of years away from being a, a official semi-professional competition. And, you know, it's it's all over. It's all over. And, look, I said this last night. If I'm Rugby Union, I just sit back for another five to ten years. And then when the owners of these clubs who their investments were shit all now, I just pick the teams that I want. I give them offers they can't refuse, which aren't going to be big offers. And that's it. It's, It's done. It's all over. And Rugby Union will have... They'll probably have the Leeds Rhinos. They'll probably have, like, Wigan. You know, they'll probably have St. Helens just for the stadium. They might pick at one of the whole teams, and that's it. It's uh, it's pretty fucking wonderful. i tell you what, what else is worse is that the Australian game made an error in, this, in the same sort of regard back in 1929 with Glebe, where... They let the clubs decide what would happen with Glebe. And surprise, surprise, the clubs voted to get rid of Glebe. Not all of them. I think a few of the newer sides voted to keep Glebe in the comp. Mm -hmm. But self-interest took over. 
and from that point on, it was pretty clear that when it came to um, the future of other clubs, the game itself will decide, not the clubs. Yeah. And that's what's happened since. That was 90 years ago. Mm-hmm. And English Rugby League hasn't even drawn on that experience. And that was, uh, Glebe had only been, that only had probably two, two, maybe three week seasons out of 20. Yeah. And they went, that's enough. And got rid of them. Yet they persevered with a team like Annandale for, you know, 11 years before they let them die. Um, they had university in the comp at the time. It had been one year out of, out of 10 uh, being pretty much just whipping boys every year. And they kept them on for another eight years. Mm-hmm. It was fucking ludicrous. And that's what this decision is. It's just a continuation of, of English history, of getting rid of teams that aren't from England. And it's not even just England. It's like teams that aren't, you know. But it's just, it's just consistently is teams that, are, that aren't from England, though. It, it, true, <laughs> true. I mean, you think of uh, pa- they got had Paris at one point in Super League, got rid of them, you know. I, yeah. I can't. Be, I can't believe that any business would sit down and say, "You know what? We need less of. We need less cities, and we need more little tiny towns." And it was funny because I said last night, "You know, I called Sheffield a little town," and I saw some people on Twitter saying, "Oh, Sheffield a little town. Sheffield's got like I think it. I, I looked it up. It's like seven hundred and twenty thousand residents." And Toronto's got 6.1 million. <laughs> so two people in Toronto, Sheffield is a little town. Uh, hang on. In Sydney, Sheffield is a little town. You know, Come on. Toronto doesn't have a Tesco. Well, you know what? I found out they have two Nandos. I, I wrote, in that article, I said that they don't even have Nandos. You know, it turns out they've got two of them. But um, <clears throat> I just can't believe the, the short-sightedness and that where it's it's at a terminal state now and Super League really had a chance to put its foot down and say, look, we realised a few years ago we needed to expand. Um, we put those measures in place and we made a commitment to an expansion club that if they did the right thing, we would do the right thing by them and they didn't. And so I, I just think at this point, you know, the Super League competition is irrelevant to the vast majority of people in England, so, um, what, do, I, what do we what do we now do with Toronto? Because it'd be horrible if we just let rugby league die there. They've got a fan base. They've got yeah. a team that's that's marketable. How can we get them up and running and playing football somewhere that's going to be of value to the region? I, I don't know because that I mean people were saying they should start their own competition with some of the clubs that have been started up there in. In North America, I don't know how financially viable that is. It's a great idea, but I mean, it would—it's going to take a while. Yeah, and yeah, the finances are another big issue. The only idea I had, and it needs more thought, obviously, is uh, in the short term, invite Toronto over to compete in the either the Queensland Cup or the New South Wales Cup. They'd have to be based in Australia, though. Yeah, and I, um, I, I just think, what do you get? What are they getting out of that? Like, I think the thing about Toronto was that the game day experience in Toronto was the magic thing that was being captured. Yeah. And I just think that the the people of Toronto, 
you know, I, I just don't see what they're going to get out of that. I, don't, I think they'd, they'd be just as better off choosing an NRL club to follow. Could they play in the French domestic competition? Well, I was wondering that. I, I don't know. I like. I don't know if the financial situation would allow that. Um, you know that France would probably be open to it to a certain point, but mm. I, I just don't know. Like, it, it's it's a long way to travel. It's a long way to travel. Yeah, that, that's know, the only problem. It, at least with when they'll they could fly into Manchester, you know. And get everywhere because all of the teams are pretty close to Manchester and Super League, yeah. apart from uh, Catalan. I would guess that it would be a little bit different for uh, for France. Yeah, although it's fly to you just go a day or two early, flying to Manchester and get the get the train over to to Catalan, I guess, or over to Paris. We're flying to Paris, yeah, and then get to train. It's I don't know. Logistically, it just sounds like a nightmare to me, hey? It does a bit. That's the um, problem. Like, I had people saying, well, could the NRL bring them on board? And I, I had to explain, like, it's basically the very, very furthest place from Australia that you could have yeah. any team play. It's, it's just too far. And it's, it's not even like there's direct flights even. Um, it's just too far, unfortunately. Yeah, the only way they can be involved in the NRL is that have to be based somewhere around Australia, which then means that all the fans are not getting any game day experience. Yeah. Um, the only way around that is to maybe have them play, um, I don't know, maybe three or four teams that they play twice and they play all of those teams at once in one big chunk and all those teams go over at the same time to try and cut down on travel costs for both sides, I guess. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm like you. I'm not really sure. I just can't see how it would work. Like, if it, if I thought it could work, I'd be the first person to be like, yeah, we'll do this and this and this. But I just I can't see it working. It, it's just too far to Australia, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, if it, was, um, if it was a Hawaiian team where it's 10 hours, I'd be like, man, they should be straight into the NRL immediately. But, I mean, I don't even know what the flight time must be from Toronto. I'm guessing it's like, it must be close to 30 hours. It really must be. Yeah, it'd be fair whack. Yeah. Um, so while we're on Super League, the uh, with the coronavirus lockdown that's going on there at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, four weeks of lockdown, which will, in my opinion, it'll, it might make the numbers plateau. I don't think it's going to make much difference, to be honest. Um, it appears the competition is still unsure whether it's going to continue or not. But then Hull KR come out today and said that they're not going to be competing anymore. Is that right? Well, it's funny because last night I said that the next team that would be screwed over would be the Catalan Dragons. And apparently the, apparently Super League put it to Catalan that they needed to basically base their entire operation over in the UK as soon as possible, including their staff and everything. Now, Catalan was like, are you serious? And then the next day, Hull KR decided to come out, cancel the rest of their season, which means that the Catalan Dragons won't be able to hit that minimum requirement to be part of the final series over there. 15 games, yeah. Which means... 
they can't make this the finals. Standing on the ladder, they can't make the finals. So it just it feels very convenient. I'm not saying it was all planned or anything like that, but you know. At this does, does, uh, it's just K, such a mess. So does Hulkai have to put in okay business plan as to why they should be allowed to continue in 2021? That's a really good point, Andrew. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be fine. You know, all well, these English teams. How many English teams have we seen fucking go broke during the week and play on the weekend? Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, the, comp, the comp itself is a joke. I've said before, you know, over the last 30 years, they've only had four different teams win the title. And if you go back to 1986, that's five teams. And 14 of the current, of 16 current NRL teams have won a title since 1986. Yeah. It's, they are, it's, they've been slowly killing the game. But as I said, since they sold out to, to Super League, and to be honest, they kind of needed to because they needed the cash. But that's been the other thing. I mean, their mind has been, how do we make money as quickly as possible? And they don't want to invest much anywhere if they can help it. And it's cheaper to invest in some, you know, northern English town than it is to, to take the risk on a, a bigger potential market. Mm-hmm. So here we are. It's... it's just an irrelevant competition now. Like, I, do you care who wins Super League? I don't no, it's either going to be Wiggins and Helens or Leeds. Yeah, who gives a shit? No one. I don't think anyone genuinely cares that much about who's going to make the grand final every year in Super League because you always know it's going to be one of those three teams and that one of those three teams will win because that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. And how can you get financially invested as a fan or as an investor into the game when the competition's almost a foregone conclusion and you can't buy one of those three teams that's the biggest chance of winning the comp. Yeah, yeah. Why would you? And when you get one of those people in there, like Marlon Kukash, the game just shits on him anyway. Treats them like garbage. Yeah, and like he's some sort of kook. Yeah, look at the, when look at this one was expensive to try and make look, the game bigger and better for everyone. Yeah, look at the billionaire. What does he think he's doing? We know what we're doing here in Northern England. We're all special in rugby league here in Northern England. It's a fucking joke. Such a fucking joke. You know, then you you get like clubs that are trying, like in the lower tiers that are like, we're dying. We need to make decisions. Let's, instead of being Swinton, let's be Manchester. And their board members get death threats over that sort of shit. Yeah. It, It is absolutely outrageous how poor it's run and at this point like i think you could scrap super league and just start again with fresh teams in cities and you would end up with competition that was like if you started next year if you said we're going to have a competition that has paris london newcastle leeds manchester you know in just a couple more like cardiff edinburgh just that. Like, I'm not... It's not a massive competition. Make it semi-professional. It would overtake the earning capacity, earning potential of Super League, like, within five years, Especially if you've got, years, if you've got, uh, especially if you've got Toronto in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would It would take nothing. Like, it's a... It's a, it's a fucking dying corpse of a competition, Super League. It's and just, the, the weird thing is, they know it. That's why they were pushing for expansion for all these clubs. 
Yeah. And it, they they get, you know, they get one of them into Super League. And as soon as they can, they fucking put a bullet in the back of its head. One month. Fucking unbelievable. One month. Um, they just love dragging anchors around them. Yeah. And that's all. And for me, um, I'm sad, I think, more than frustrated because it's been going on for so long. It's the players and the fans who are the ones who suffer the most out of this. Mm-hmm. Because you see a lot of players have been coming out there going, I can't believe this decision. Fans are up in arms everywhere. Yeah. And the board members are all quiet. They are. No, they just don't care. And... Oh. Well, I said last I, I said last night before the decision, it, Toronto's the most important club in, in all of rugby league. It used to be the Brisbane Broncos, then it was the Auckland Warriors, then it was the Melbourne Storm, and at this point it's been the Toronto Wolfpack. And the reason that they were so important is because this was a decision for Super League to come out, and they were either going to say, we, ha- we want to step into the future of sport, we want to be bigger than we are now. Or they were going to say, no, nah, we had a little taste of that. And we don't want that. We want to we want to recede. We want to become a geographical quirk in the sport, in sport, you know. We want, I said last night it was like a, you know, it's like going to a, a steam train um, museum, you know. <laughs> that's what, seriously, that's what going to a yep. Super League game is going to be like. It's nice. It's nostalgic. Makes you feel nice. But you go home in a car, you know, <laughs> jump on an electric train and go home. And there's a reason for that because the rest of the world moved on. It's progress. It, it, it really is. And they decided to vote against progress, against going forward, against something exciting that the game over there desperately needed. And they just, they chose the path of becoming irrelevant. And it's really sad because, you know, British Rugby League is going to die really quickly now. It's going to it's going to happen quick now. And it's something you could see coming from a long, long, long way away. And no oh, this, one did anything to stop it. This year has been a horrible one. And it's, it's easy enough to sit back and say, but COVID. But seriously, COVID was just, it, what all it did was hurried up the inevitable. Yeah, yeah. Um. You know, we had that stupid deal with the pizzas. Ridiculous. Um, you know, the, the drama around, around Toronto, this stuff with Hawkeye, which is directly impacting Catalan. Um, you just know that what, what they're going to do, okay, is that next year they'll more than likely go, right, we're going to have a 14-team comp next year and we're going to bring up three teams. And one will be Toulouse, the other two will be two other English teams. And then they'll just sit on that. And promotion and relegation will keep going and you'll get more teams that get relegated and go broke and other teams that get promoted and struggle then get relegated and go broke. And the system is designed to kill clubs. And it's slowly yeah. doing that. I, you know, I think what they'll do, I think there's two things they'll do. I think they'll either bring in Whitehaven or they will decide to cut back down to ten clubs. And no, no, no TV rights deal is worth its money. He's going to he's going to be interested in that thing if it's only got ten teams in it. Yeah, I agree with you? you. I agree with you. 
uh, and I just think whatever they choose now, like what can they possibly do to go to a, a, a broadcaster now and say, hey, we've got a good deal for you. You know, they've got fucking one actual city involved. One yeah. fucking city. The rest of them are little towns. And I, it's like a broadcaster can't even say, well, you know what, in the future, we'd like you to get some fucking cities in there, man, because they're the big financial centers. They're the big media markets. We want your teams in the big media markets because they know that's not going to happen. You know, they're going to get some sort of, they're going to get like the sorts of deals that you expect fucking ice hockey in the UK to get. Yeah, because they've they've decided to go to that level. Exactly, and the problem the the big problem they're going to face now is because the money's drying up there. It means players are going to get paid less, which means NRL players, NRL clubs are just going to look at them and go, "What sort of players can we get here to bolster our squad, knowing we can get them on the cheap because we can bring them over here on minimum salary." Mm-hmm. And they'll be earning way, 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 way more than they get over there on whatever salary their clubs will offer them. Yeah, yeah. So and you could you could offer probably someone who's a fringe test player, hundred and fifty grand a year Australian, and they go fucking pay increase. You're getting someone who's almost an international level player for one of the top five test nations, or maybe top ten top nations. Um, and you're getting them for hundred and fifty grand a year, whereas those sort of players should be. Three, four, five hundred thousand a year. Oh, and by the way, your salary is guaranteed. Yeah, like you'll get paid no matter what happens to the club. Not that yep. anything happens to the club because the club gets supported as well. Yeah. This is this is the other thing. I don't get how the English rugby league has never looked at how the NRLs run and thought we should try and copy something of that. Because and it's this attitude of we know what we're doing. We're going to do it our way. We're different. And they're not. They're not different. They're not but special. For Thirty years, the NRL overtook them when they were the New South Wales Rugby League. Mm-hmm. Overtook them with one simple little bit of expansion into Newcastle, just you know, an hour and a half up the road from Sydney, pretty much. And, and fucking Illawarra and Canberra. Illawarra, Canberra, Gold Coast, and Brisbane. They didn't expand far, but it was no. that was enough to make them jump ahead of England. Then they expanded to North Queensland, Perth, Auckland was massive. And not only did bringing Auckland to the comp help expand the game to another country, it also made that other country better internationally as well. Because mm-hmm. they they were below England in the early 90s. Mm. And now you look at them, even, when, even New Zealand's worst team is still better than whatever Great Britain can put together. Yeah, and... You know, can you imagine if we had the, still the same teams that we were playing with in 1980? Like, rug, a rugby league in Australia would be stuffed. Yeah, it, it would, would be. be a relic. And the game knew that. I mean, in the 70s, we had Kevin Humphreys talking about a Super League then, about trying to get the game exciting. And, you know, there was talk of mergers and having teams in, you know, representing different areas and. Mm-hmm condensing it so you could expand the team competition further. That was talked about in the 70s. And that's the problem is Rugby League in Australia has constantly thought about how can we grow our market? How do we make more money, etc., etc. And England has always been about expanding might cost too much money. Let's not do it. And instead of taking the risk on trying to find a way to make expansion work, 
they find any opportunity they can to prove that it can't. And because so they'll bring a team in, and before yeah. it gets a chance to be expensive to them, they cut them off and say, see, told you it wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah. You know, they underfund it. Yeah. So that they make them, you know, they make these, they'll, they'll set up this environment where this team has to basically rush through, spend as much as teams that have been around for 100 years. Um, and, and, you know, these teams, they scramble, they try, but it's like a, it's a losing battle. Um, and, and the other thing is, it's a lot of these expansion clubs, they keep being run by English people, English people that have ruined other clubs. And they ruin they ruin one club and they move on. They ruin another club. They move on. Um, it's it's re- it's just sad. I've been really uh, gutted about it all day. I was very angry about it last night on Twitter. Today I've just felt sad about it because it's uh, I, I really do feel like it's an end um, for a lot of reasons for the English game and. You know, and they chose it, so you you can't really you can't really do anything about it. It's not like it's something that happened to them; they they chose it. So, you know, good luck to them. They're, they're, yeah. they're getting exactly what they want, and they will go through exactly what they want to go through. And uh, you know, the problem, the biggest issue I've got with this, okay, and it's obviously that Super League is going to get worse before it, if before it gets better. And I don't think it will get better. No. The problem with this is the impact it could have on France. Because Catalan are doing pretty well on the field and off the field. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not a debt, they're not a basket case financially. They're doing pretty well. The crowds are pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um they're winning games. I mean, if you go just on competition points alone, they're in the top four on the ladder at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh win percentage as well, they'd be right up there. Um I'd hate to see the progress that they've made there impact them domestically and internationally. And I think being attached to the English Super League could have that impact, and I don't know how you fix that either, other than um, maybe the NRL says, right, we're going to dump a whole heap of money into the French competition and make yeah. that big and somehow make that work. I don't know. Um, I think the only way this is going to come out good is if the NRL gets involved. And they've got yeah. no need to, but that's yeah. the only solution they've got, I think. I, I agree with you. I mean, I had people last night saying the NRL should buy... Super League out, and I was like, well, they're not buying anything. Like, the, there's there's nothing to buy. Um, it's a nice it's a nice sentiment, but it, you're not buying anything. You know, you you would basically have to start from scratch. And whereas I think in France, because the investment would be at a lower level, um, you know, and you're on the continent, so I think that that would help with travel expenses and stuff like that. I agree with you. I think that. You know, where the Catalan Dragons in Toulouse are um, in terms of, you know, their strength as clubs, that is a real worry. The good thing is Catalan can go back to the French competition, but then they need to drive their own competition as well. And they would need, I think they would need some help with that. And it yeah. would be cool if they did get some investment from Australia. And look, if the NRL come out tomorrow and said we're investing in British Rugby League, I'd be furious. I'd be like, this is a waste of money. If they come out tomorrow and said we're investing in French Rugby League, I'd say, you know what, that's that's not a bad idea. I think the only way they would do it is if they could get Fox and or you know, uh, Channel 9 to increase 
their TV rights deals, knowing they would also get all of the games in England. And then through that, they should then be able to negotiate a better deal with Sky to, to show the game over there. So then you could have the games being broadcast, you know, live in the UK and on replay in Australia. But who in Australia wants to... Like I'm going to say, who in Australia wants to watch Wakefield play Castleford? Who gives a fuck? No, you no, know? but I mean, that's. But this is the only way. It's the NRL would get drawn into it if they know that they're going to get extra money for it because they're going to need that extra money to try and fix the problem they've got to start with here. And the first, the biggest problem is clubs going broke. And the second one is players not getting paid. And they've got a system set up here where they don't have that issue. They need to figure out how they address that over there. And obviously the only way to do it is money. And the biggest money you get is from TV rights. NRL's known that for years, that and sponsorship. And that's what they need to get over there. Someone who knows how to get TV rights deals and knows how to get sponsorship. Other you, than that, you, maybe you the don't, Super League needs to get David Smith on board or something like that. But you don't get those things if you've got little towns involved, no, you know. I agree. And, you would, the NRL, if I'm the look, if I'm the NRL, say the NRL comes to me, and they say we want to have a English competition, um, I w- wouldn't even look at Super League. I'd say, well, I'm, I'm going to need a team in London, a team in Birmingham, a team from Leeds, a team yeah. from Manchester. I'm going to all the big media markets. I'm not looking at where, you know, footy's been played for a hundred years. Because those fucking places aren't doing the job, you know. I'd take I'd take their three big teams: St Helens, Leeds, Wigan, and then you'd build around it because you go right. We've got three dedicated fan bases there, and they're successful teams, and they're not financial basket cases. Mm. Let's work from that, and then yeah, you bring in those teams you mentioned. Um, but I think the way to do it is to also say right. This is the teams we're going to have in year one. Year two, we're going to expand it to this. Year three, we're going to expand it to this, and et cetera, et cetera. Have a clear plan set out yeah. and also include a team in Toronto, one in the U.S., um, you know, one that they're going to look after. Try and get one in Ireland, one in Scotland, that sort of thing. Try and get, try and get the game further abroad than the M62. You can have a few teams from there, just like we've got a few, you know, People will say too many teams in Sydney, but mm-hmm. you need something around your heartland. You don't need to have the whole competition being in the heartland, but you need to have some there because that's where the majority of your fan base is. Yeah, Maybe add a team from Hull. Merge Hull Car and Hull FC and just have one team out there. Um, something like that. And then get rid of the promotion relegation system because it just kills teams. It doesn't yeah. make the competition stronger or better. No. Yeah, you know, thirty years and only four premiers is proof in the pudding that promotion relegation does not work. Mm-hmm. It may be great for the EPL. How much money does the EPL go through a year? Billions. Yeah, they can afford to do that. But they're also a national competition. Exactly. You know, and and that's With the international big players from all over the world. Yeah, but like to for Tons for of investors for the for the broadcasters in England who are the ones that are investing all that money into the English Premier League, they invest that money because these EPL teams are all over the nation. It is a national competition. If it wasn't a national competition, they'd have problems of their own. Exactly and, right. You know, it, it, that's all it comes down to. Rugby League is not in the big markets. It is not in the big media markets. You know, you're f- fucking when you're, 
your sponsors are pissy little sponsors and then your competition is giving away sponsorship deals for free pizza. It's like, what the fuck do they expect to happen to the competition? And, you know, rugby league supporters in the UK have to start asking themselves now, are they supporters of a logo and colours or are they rugby league supporters? Because if they're sponsor, if they're, if they're fans of a logo and colours, that's cool, man, because you can wear those colours for forever and no one else will give a shit. But if you're a fan of the game, they need to be willing to see some absolutely dramatic things happen to help the game survive because this is, this is it. Like it's, it's, you know, I've been saying for fucking years that this shit was going to come down to this sort of thing. And God damn it, look at it. I remember when people were saying, oh, fucking these big teams won't ever fail. And then Bradford failed. And then it was like, oh, well, you know, it's not a problem. because And it's like just failure after failure after failure. Things getting smaller. The playing numbers over there are, they don't get talked about, but they have fallen off a cliff, the playing numbers over there. Man, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that you can recover it, Be- especially when the administrators just don't want to do any work to build for the future. And it's like, that's cool. They don't want to do that. That's that's great. No the, worries. The fact that the main, the top tier competition has done nothing but shrink in, in team number size mm-hmm. for years. And yet they keep flogging them even harder and harder every year to play more and more games. If you want, if you want to have two, three hundred games a year, don't get ten or twelve teams to play all the games. Bring other teams in, bring other games in, get more fans invested and involved. You know, that's the simple, obvious way to go about it. In, in Australia, we found sixteen teams is best, and look how far a lot of those teams have to travel compared to where they have to travel in England. It'd be half the distance. And you, you know, know, so there's no excuse not to have a 16-team comp in England. None. Yeah. And, and, and you just... know, one of the things we haven't talked about is the quality of their play. I mean, the quality of super, the play in Super League over the last 10 years has nosedived. It, it is trash. Well, it is got, fucking terrible. We got evidence of that last year when Great Britain came over and they lost every game. They lost to Papua New Guinea. They lost to to um, Tonga or to New Zealand. It's a good thing they didn't come up against Australia. Yeah. It um, really is. Yeah, and that that's where they're at. Yeah. And that's and where they want side. to be. That's the worst part, man. As I, said, I, reckon, I don't think I said it last year when it happened, that I don't think anything will happen to the way the game is running in England until they lose a t- an international game to France. Because... They like to think that they're the, you know, the big bully brother of France. I think in their own minds, they'll yeah. just keep flogging France whenever they can. But France aren't exactly going backwards, you know. No. And, and cut, the, they, I mean, they're at least coming up to England standard by being constantly, you know, by Catalans being in the in the comp there and having a lot of Frenchmen playing in the competition. It's not that far away that they're going to beating England or Great Britain in a Test match. They, 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 you know what? They don't even want to play France. That's probably that, that, a sign that they know that, that that moment's coming closer. See, I think it's a sign that they just don't care. They're happy to be the they're happy to be the big fish in the small pond. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it comes down to. I think it's a mindset of, you know, you want to be the 
the big superstar in your tiny little town that everyone says, oh, look, he's he's buying fucking chips, you know? He's getting fucking shit-faced at the pub. Yeah, he's look, the big star in this town. How good to, is that? Well, they're going back to, to the great old 80s where a lot of players had to work in mines and play on the weekends because they're going to need to do that in order to bloody pay their mortgages. They really are. They really are. And it's like I, I've just... It's the first I've I've always been angry about it, and I've always fired up about it. I've argued with people nonstop about it, about what needs to be done, and this is the first time I'm like I've thrown my hands in the air, and it's like that's fine, okay then. I it, it it's really weird. It's a weird feeling because I I just don't care now. I really don't care if that's where they want to go. That's cool. I don't. I I won't pay any attention to it, um, and most people won't. Most people in England don't pay attention to it. It's not like I'm special, but that that this is what they want, and they'll get it. And the rest of us will keep playing rugby league, and it'll be a it'll be a weird part of rugby league history when you kind of have to write out British rugby league from it from its future. Hmm. I'm just looking at a few stats here. Yeah. So in in 1989, 1988-89, I had 14 teams in the top top comp. Yeah. All right, 30 rounds. The average crowd back then was 7,301. Mm-hmm. And last year, 12 teams, 29 rounds. Average crowd was 9,379. So the average crowd's gone up by 2,000 in 32 years. Yeah. I, I look, I remember I remember many years ago now um, when the the tig- the uh, – where are they from? The Tigers, the Rugby Union Tigers. Uh, Leicester, Leicester Tigers. And their crowds were starting to creep up towards the bigger Super League teams at the time. And I remember a lot of English fans saying, oh, yeah, but their crowds are smaller. Their crowds are smaller. Their crowds are smaller. And you used to say, like, their international crowds are massive. But eventually, they're going to build these club crowds up. And one day you'll be saying, oh, but they're only as big as our clubs and our crowds. And then one day you're going to look and you're going to realise they're all pastures. And yeah. You wonder why. And it's because they were building, you know, the whole time. But they don't care. They don't care. No. Don't um, care. And just for balance, over that same period, um, the average crowd size in Australia went up by about 6,000. Yeah. That's expansion working for you. It really is. How some of our best crowds are... Places like North Queensland, Brisbane, Newcastle, Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah, Melbourne's now got a pretty good, um, pretty good base. Yeah, really, really good base. You think their, their average crowds are now sitting around seventeen, eighteen thousand every year? Yeah, it's just disappointing. Like, because we're rugby league fans, and look, if the the biggest, if the biggest rugby league competition in the world was in fucking Uruguay, I'd be happy about it, you know? I don't care where the game's played. I don't care no. where it's at its we've, biggest and strongest. We've stayed, up till three and four in, we've stayed up till three or four in the morning watching Germany playing Netherlands. Yeah. We stayed up watching 
some other game last year that was being recorded on a or being filmed on a fucking mobile phone. Ireland versus Spain. That's the one. Yeah, like you know, we're rugby league fans and we want the game to prosper. So to see a to see the big second biggest professional competition just you know decide to fold up its tent and sit in a shivering cold until it dies of hypothermia, it's it's fucking sad. It's depressing. Yeah. Because everywhere else in the world, the game is building. Mm. But in England, it, it was... Pla- I'll say it the, uh, the other day. I said it was plateauing. It had been. Right now, it is going downhill. Yeah. How can you plateau for fucking 30 years and not and think you- that there's something different needs to happen? Yeah, and, and like when you plateau for 30 years... You're going backwards. You are. You yeah. are. It's... The nuts thing is that the the average Super League crowd last year is only a little bit higher than the average NRL crowd this year, and we had several rounds, yeah. <laughs> dozens of games, with <laughs> crowds of zero. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, so, it's disappointing. It's so depressing. And, because, because it's so important, that English competition is so important to growing rugby league throughout all of Europe. So vitally important. You've got all of Europe on your doorstep. It would not take much effort whatsoever to help build all of that up and have a dominant northern, you know, northern hemisphere game throughout all of Europe. Mm-hmm. And it should all be done through the, through a, a English base, just like Australia has been the, the major base for the growth of rugby league in the Pacific. And mm-hmm. instead, they're insular, and they're backwards thinking. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about how do we promote the game. You know, the biggest the, the biggest thing they had was inviting um, a team from Serbia to compete in the Challenge Cup a few years back, and getting Toronto yeah. playing in the in the competition where they're happy for them to play in the lower grades. As soon as they got to the top division, like, uh, they started to fail. Oh, we don't want them around anymore. Now, I've got one other thing about Toronto for you. Okay. That's not to do with the RFL. Okay, that's good. What happens with Sonny Bill right now? Because didn't he get... Um, didn't he have some sort of investment or shares or something like that in the Toronto club as part of his contract? I don't I don't know if he had shares in the club. I know that he's he basically becomes a free agent immediately for next year. He said that he's going to... Because he needs neck surgery. And he's going to make a decision after that. I have a feeling he's just going to retire, hey? Or become yeah. a boxer, which is, I mean, that's celebrity boxing. That's Same not thing. boxing, you know. Same thing. Yeah. You, you never retire from boxing. <laughs> you just keep going around, bash some other old bloke. How about uh, Paul Gallen is going to fight Mark Hunt? From Who? M- Mark Hunt, he's a former kickboxing champion from many years ago, actually. And How many years ago? Um, 10. What would Mark, I think Mark Hunt would be 42, 43. Yeah, okay. But, but for a UFC fighter, yeah. that isn't as old as what it would be for a boxer. But he's definitely at the end of his UFC career. But he can, like, he is a murderous puncher. Right? Like, murderous in, in the way of, like, has walked away from many opponents before they've hit the canvas because he has knocked them the fuck out. Um, if he puts 
one good shot on Gallon, he like like I would be really worried about Paul Gallon's health. Like Paul Gallon is going into the ring with a guy who is a legitimate knockout artist, and uh, I I wouldn't watch it, but uh, I'm hoping to watch the replay. Has has this um, Mark Hunt ever taken on John Jones? No. Do you, do you see where I'm getting at there? Uh, hang on. Does Mark Hunt play a Fort John Jones? No, he hasn't. Ah, He's a heavyweight. He's a legit heavyweight. He's way bigger uh, than John Jones. Yeah, that that could be a problem. You, you need to have some experience against someone who you know. This is hot. He fought. He's fought <laughs> Mark Hunt has fought the best heavyweights, most of the best heavyweights. Anyway, he fought Brock Lesnar. Um, you know, it was a big fight, Brock Lesnar and Mark Hunt, and uh, Mark Hunt lost. And then Brock Lesnar pissed hot, and because he'd come from the fucking WWE straight to the UFC again. Hey, 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 hey. I've I've heard I've I've seen the articles. Vince McMahon has said very clearly that there's they've got a stringent, I'm using air quotes there, stringent drug testing policy there. Well, <laughs> no, no one no one's on steroids and, Look, and stuff it, like that in the WWE. What are you assuming here? It was crazy. I know. I know, right? Um, but anyway, so Mark Hunt sued the UFC. I think he's still in the process of that legal action. So, but yeah, Mark Hunt, he's uh, he's had some awesome knockouts. I hope he fucking knocks out Paul Garland. I'd like to see Mark Hunt have a trial boxing match first with Barry Hall. Just as a warm-up. <laughs> that would be That would be like... But that would be... I don't think that would get sanctioned, hey? Well, Barry Hall versus Paul Gallon got sanctioned despite it being... Um, you know, they had to change the rules to suit Barry Hall because he's an old useless sod and he couldn't yeah. fight a full three-minute round, so they had to make the round shorter for the poor old deer. Remember when... Uh, and he Mark, still only come away with a draw. Remember when Mark Guyer fought Jacko Jackson? <laughs> oh, that the, was glorious. That was, that was so funny. <laughs> Poor I was Jack. like, a, that was that was when a legit fighter took on a bloke who talked a good fight. Yeah, and, and that was a dude that can fight versus a talker, <laughs> and he, oh my god, that was that was uh, poor AFL types. So I feel like that's when they never got over. <laughs> oh yeah, and they were really hanging their hat on on Barry Hall fucking up poor Gallon, and they had to change all the rules to suit Barry Hall, and the best he could do was come away with a, a bullshit draw. Yeah, which no one would believe. Like you watch that fight, there's no way Barry Hall did that well. So I'd like to, I'd like to see him up against, um, up against Mark. I reckon that'd be an interesting one. That could be a warm up one. I'd like, you know, I because uh, Mike Tyson is fighting Roy Jones Jr., which oh, man, I don't know what Roy Jones Jr. is thinking. Like Roy Roy Jones, I used to pay to watch every single Roy Jones Jr. pay per view. Um, I used to watch all the Mike Tyson ones as well, but Roy Jones was much more active at the time. Um, and it, it, so that's going to be interesting to watch, but Mike Tyson's in like some really, really good, you know, um, condition. And I think that one will be over pretty quickly. I'd love Mike Tyson to just turn around and realize he could make a few million dollars, fill up fucking Parramatta Stadium and just, 
be the like I would love to see Mike Tyson say I'll fight Sonny Bill Williams, and then I'll fight Paul Gallen on the same night. How that, fucking gangster would that be? That would be pretty good. That would be the shit. Um, yeah, Tyson is. Too, he's he's looking a lot fitter than he did as a when he was at his prime. He, he looks lighter than he was at his prime too, so that might help with his endurance. I think he looks. Um, I, I think that he looks better than he did after he got out of jail. Uh, he he looks like he's cut his body fat right down, which is good. Um, he's he's still got his speed, which is kind of that's normally one of the first things you lose, especially um, at fifty four. Yeah, and, and the power was, I mean, fuck, the power was always there. I remember watching a video of, a, a like, a really old boxer. He must have been in his 70s, and somebody on a street was giving him shit, and he looked like an old man. But when he threw a fucking punch, like, he just had the technique and everything, and he turned this dude out. Yeah. He, the lights just went out like he'd killed this guy. Um, So, yeah. That'd be interesting. I think that I reckon if George Foreman got into shape, and George Foreman's an old, old fighter, like he must be fucking seventy or something. I reckon he would beat the fuck out of Paul Gallen. See, that, that's what Paul Gallen has to do: is take on a bunch of these blokes who are about eighty or ninety. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I beat what's his name who held the world title in nineteen seventy-one. <laughs> I'm the best in the world. <laughs> who was the dude that's uh? He beat Ali, and then he fought Mike Tyson, and Ali told Tyson, go get him, and Tyson beat the fuck out of him. He's a big dude, real big dude. Oh, I can't remember that one. Uh, I can't remember his name. He's a very good fighter in his own right. Actually, there's someone in Australia who's, who's an old bloke who's fought against some of these greats that, that Gal should fight against. Mm. Joe Bugner. Man, Joe Bugner's got to be 82. <laughs> I'm serious. Joe Bugner, he has to be 82. I'll look him up. Yeah, have a look. I'm going to look ah, up. Uh, he's 70. He's only 70. Yeah, he could do it easy. How about that? Okay, I'm looking up Mike Tyson's... Uh... I'm looking through Larry Holmes. That was it. Oh, Larry Holmes, yeah, he he wasn't he was no slouch. No, no, he was a good fighter. He was he was a a little bit in between eras, but yeah, he was he was legit. Larry Holmes, he was big dude as well. He certainly was. Um, yeah, who else could Gal come up against? Um. How would he go against Anthony Mundine? Although Mundine would be a, several weight divisions lower. Yeah, he'd be way, way lighter. I would guess that Mundine, at his, the heaviest that he could do in boxing, I reckon it'd be... Oh, Only 80 man. kilos. I couldn't see Mundine getting heavier than 80 kilos. I reckon it would be mid-80s in boxing. In boxing. Yeah. That's other, be, which makes him a good, what, 20 kilos lighter than Gallon, but... Yeah. Mundine always had a good um, technique. Did... Never really had that much power, but his technique and his speed was always pretty bloody top-notch. His jaw, though, wasn't mm. good. And his speed left him, too. It did pretty quickly at the end. Yeah, yeah. I want, uh, like, well, who would be a, a current rugby league player who you'd like to see challenge um, Gallen? 
Imagine if Sevo, like super athlete, just said, oh, yeah, I'll fight him. Russell Packer. Russell Packer. That might be for my own personal reasons. Yeah, probably. Uh, Moses and Boy. Sorry, I'm kidding. <laughs> I did it, I what did are it again. What you doing here? I, I did this, it again. This is a different, I know, I know. Uh, different Mitch, conversation with me here. Mitch Moses. Mitch Moses. Imagine, imagine, Gutherson. imagine if for whatever reason Mitch Moses goes in. All right, he's lighter than Paul Gallant, but he just thrashed him. <laughs> just beat the shit out of him. You know what? If uh, if Mitch Moses agrees to go in the ring and he beats Paul Gallant, mm-hmm. I will do nothing but talk about how great Mitch Moses is for the rest of my life, and I will mean it the whole time. I'll never <laughs> shit on him ever again. I, I, would, I would like Sevo to fight him. Like, I reckon Sevo's the sort of dude that looks at weights and puts on, like, five kilograms of pure muscle. <laughs> I, I just He's such a super athlete, and I, I just think he'd go in there and it'd be it'd be a bit of a, a wrecking ball. It'd be great. Um, who else? Hmm. George Burgess. He reminds me of one of those people that if you hit him once, he gets so infuriated that he just starts swinging like a bloody windmill. <laughs> that, I think that would make for an entertaining fight. Um, who else? It's weird because, like, like, who would just say it's because we don't know who can fight in the NRL because they'd be in punching. Yeah. Um, so, so Jared Maria Hargroves? Maybe. Adam Fanua Blake? You know who... Um, Dylan Walker. <laughs> James Fisher-Harris might be pretty good, hey? Yep. I feel like he'd be sneakily good at boxing. Sneakily good. Yeah, that's Which a I reckon. I reckon Josh Papali would be good. I was thinking Papali. I reckon mm. it, it'd be... It, he's such a big dude. It'd just be like... I mean, he's a brick shithouse. It'd be weird to fight him. He's just so big. I think Junior Paulo's had a fight. Has he? I think so. Okay. Um, let me see if I can find out. I wonder what Tal Malolo would fight like, hey? Walk through. Be interesting to see. <laughs> Let's have a look here. Junior Paulo. He's currently inactive. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, oh, he's already fought Paul Gallon. Oh, has he? That was a loss. Ah. <laughs> there you go. He has had <laughs> one fight. I knew he had one fight. Fucking celebrity boxing. You know, like, the, you know what ranking Paul Gallon is in heavyweights in Australia? In Australia, I'm going to say he is... I'll, give you, I, I'll give you a clue, okay, because there's, there's 59 ranked heavyweights in Australia. Yeah, I think he's number three. No, he's not doing that well. Okay. Where's he Six, at? 16th. Wow, far out. I'm surprised he's that low. It's probably because he hasn't had a fight for a while. Possibly. You know, the thing that people don't realise is that the likes of um, Solomon Hamono and John Hopawadi, like, they were, they were like, at the top of those lists when they were fighting. Yeah. Hormono, though, was generally a decent boxer. Yeah. Hopawadi was just... He was uh, a boxer. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think he was kind of there when the Australian heavyweight boxing wasn't real strong. No, no. Um, but it's still interesting that they they both managed to do so well in boxing. And, and look, I don't think that either of them... Um, I don't think either of them really decided to be boxers like serious, serious boxers, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think um, it was a lot of natural talent. Hormono had his last fight in 2017. Oh, really? And he ended up with a record of 24 wins, 21 by KO. And How many four losses? Lo- four losses. Yeah, that's amazing. You know who I'd love to see uh, Paul Gallant fight? Mm-hmm. David Tua. Ooh. He would get his ass kicked. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> David, I remember when David Tua hit the scene and he, he could throw bombs. He was a little bit, um, he was a bit too one-dimensional to ever take that next step into the top echelon. But he was one of those guys that you knew if he ever got a chance to fight like a Mike Tyson or something, that it was that roll of the dice. Like if he lands one, there might be something happening here, but he was, he was never in that top echelon. He was a beast. Yeah, he was. Just look at his record. 52 wins, 43 by KO. How old is he? He must be, what, 56? Uh, 48. He's only 48? Yeah. He could fight Gallon. His last fight was 2013. 2013, that's a while. Yeah, and his last win was 2011. See, the thing about him, though, is he was such a natural puncher. Oh, yeah. that That was also, like, just a natural ability. Yeah, he was he was freak. Yeah, I loved watching David to a fight. Oh, he was brilliant. Um just trying to think of who it was. Not not many to pick from. <laughs> no, not in this part of the world, hey. Has has Gallon fought Anthony Watts? Because remember oh. Anthony Watts thought he thought of himself as a boxer. Actually, given Anthony Watts got his ass handed to him by Robbie Farrar, <laughs> maybe Gallon needs to take on Robbie Farrar in a fight. I feel like there was something to do with Anthony Watts in a boxing match, and I can't remember what it was, but I feel like it was maybe he he like got properly smashed, and it was all over pretty quickly. Probably. Let me see if I can find out about him. See, I know where all of these stats databases are for most sports. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. It's good. You know who... Oh, man, can you imagine if someone just offered Lennox Lewis five million bucks? <laughs> <laughs> that would be just... That would be tragic. <laughs> Anthony Watts had two fights. His first one was against uh, Nicholas Williamson, and he won that by KO, and his second fight was against Paul Gallon, and he got beat by a TKO. Yeah. And I think that was a one-round... Yeah. yeah, I I feel yeah I feel like there was there was something with his one where it was like so devastating and quick and stuff. It was like oh no, that's not for you anymore. I think that was yeah that was Gallon's second ever fight, mm. and Gallon wrapped it up in the first round. Yeah, <laughs> I've got no problems with the the celebrity boxing scene. Like I, I just think it needs to be labelled what it is rather yes. than you know, pretending that you're going to end up being world champion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, because there's nothing wrong with there being, 
you know, I, I think it would be cool if, and they would never do it because of, uh, you know, that all of the court cases that open things up to these days. But can you imagine if every off season there was like a, a an NRL event where you had a boxing match between like certain players? Just, it would be every, very cool. Every, every team had to come up with one of their one of their players had to be representing the team. Who would you want to be representing the West Tigers? Oh, yeah. Someone who's going to come ninth. Um, (laughs) Probably Joey Lailua. That's a good pick, actually. I like that pick. Yeah, because you just know that you you trigger him. He'll just go fucking psycho. You need need someone who's going to have a bit of that uh, white line fever, just come the red mist descends and they just go nuts. Yeah. You just go out there and tell him to, you know, fight as calmly as he can. Like he's, he's, you just said to Joey, that guy over there said your brother's is better than you. <laughs> or he said, actually, he said he's a dickhead. So I, I would pick James Fisher-Harris. I think James Fisher-Harris, I, I just have a feeling that he just, when he would go to that place, it would be just, he, he wouldn't talk. He'd just be looking at you and you'd be like, oh, man, what have I, what have I done? Not kick out? You reckon kick out is more of a lover than a fighter? Yeah, he's definitely, definitely. You know what? He's a dancer. He's a dancer. He's a 100% a dancer. Uh, who else have we got here? It looks like we're picking heavyweight, so we'll stick with that then. Okay. We might as well go through every other team. Yeah, why not? Let me yeah, let me, uh, let me go to the NRL website, mainly to get the list of teams. It's the <laughs> off-season. You just dump them out of head. By the way, state of origin, you know, I think Blues will win. Who do you reckon will win? Yeah, Blues will win. Okay, cool. Now, That's who, fun. now who would you pick? Let's go through each team. Yep. Go go one by one. Okay. Okay. Let's go by the ladder. Okay. Okay. Because you know that way I can say parent to top. Yeah. So now let's go bottom to top. That's better. Brisbane Broncos. Ooh. Um. What about Darius Boyd? He can avoid contact pretty well. Yeah, he can't. He can't do anything in attack though. That's his problem. <laughs> oh man, that's a difficult one, Broncos. Payne Haas. Well, you, you sort of go Payne Haas, hey? Just because he's or or to see the pen guy. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going one of those two. I think Tavita Pangai Junior. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll go with Tavita Pangai Junior. Yeah. Okay. Who's next on the list? Bulldogs. Oh jeez, um, that's a tough one. Um, who are they got? <laughs> Kieran Foran. Um, no. Dylan, Dylan Napper. He'll hit you with elbows and shoulders and all sorts of fucking shit. Yeah, he's he's a fighter. He's a fighter. Luke Thompson. Yeah, headbutt you. Yeah, I wouldn't pick Luke Thompson. <laughs> I wouldn't pick for for the simple fact that he came over and he just he showed he didn't have much heart to be honest. Okay, so we'll go with Well they got rid of the best fighter in Tolman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not convinced by that one. Yeah, Dylan Napper there for the dogs. You gotta go Napper, don't you? Okay, yeah. Cowboys. Man, I would love to see Talmalolo. Oh, yeah, he'd be good to see. Be difficult. I can't think of anyone else. Like, 
Tamalolo would scare you just for the fact that you don't know if he's like I don't think he's the sort of dude that's a fighter. No, nah, he's actually but, you know you know who I'd like to see from the Cowboys? Who? Jordan McLean. Oh, no, actually really? actually no. Josh Maguire. I've just had a better idea. Josh Maguire, so I can watch other people bash the shit out of him. <laughs> okay, let's go Josh Maguire. <laughs> let's go Josh Maguire. I'll probably be horribly surprised that he's pretty good at fighting because, I mean, you can't be that niggly on the field and not be good at fighting. Yeah. Um, imagine if imagine Tamalolo, though. Like, it, it, it'll be interesting because he's got that amazing footwork and his strength is just, like, otherworldly. I hmm. wonder if it would translate. Or if it just is a completely different, like it just wouldn't translate at all. Like he might just be crap at boxing, although I can't imagine he is. Anyway, yeah. Seagulls. Martin to power. Yeah, yeah, that's he's a good got, call. He's got power. That's a good call. I was going to say uh, Fanua Blake, but I, I think to power. Yeah. I also think he'd have better footwork. Likewise, absolutely. Dragons. Dragons. Ah, uh, oh, geez. One of the Sims. <laughs> just any of the Sims. Any of them. They're, they're just... <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> they're just wire. The wiring's a little bit loose. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm willing to go with Sims. I'm willing to go with Sims. Okay, West Tigers. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a struggle, that one. I think Joey Leilua. I think you were right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be. Mm. Yeah. New Zealand Warriors. Yeah, look, I th- I reckon Jazz Tavanga probably would be would be a pretty good fighter. He's he's pretty powerful bloke as well. Yeah. Um, other than that, these uh, are big guys. See, RTS Toe, is too much of a cruiserweight. Yeah, Toe Harris wouldn't be too bad. Ooh, he might be. Yeah, he might be a smoky actually. Hey. Yeah. I'll go one of those two. Yeah. Okay, what about the Gold Coast Titans? Ah, uh, yeah. That's a, that's a rough one. <sighs> Jai Arrow's got the haircut for it. He does. Um, Milwaukee Fatuyaka. Actually, no, Keegan, Hip, Keegan Hipgrave is, is a little bit, little bit loose. Okay, we'll go with him. I reckon he'd he be all right. Sharks. Well, I don't know. I reckon some of the younger blokes wouldn't be too bad. Hamlin Yoweli would be a beast. Royce Hunt. He's, he's all power. I wouldn't mind him either. Who else they got? I reckon you... Talakai. Tal- you'd reckon Talakai. Yeah, because he, he'd have the he'd have the speed as well. Okay. He wouldn't be a bad, a bad option. Okay, Newcastle Knights. Who you got there? Is there anyone other than Clemmer? Well, I thought Clemmer as well. Hey, it seems pretty obvious. Yeah, I think, I, think he'd, I actually think he'd be pretty good. Yeah, I think I think Clemmer would be very good at boxing. South Sydney Rabbitohs. Hmm. Um, this is a trickier one. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're forwards. Would you would you get Tom Burgess in there? I feel like Thomas Burgess is a bit too nice for boxing. <laughs> I, I really do. I really do. Um, hmm. 
Um, there aren't many other real options, to be honest. No, there's not. Tavita Totola? You know, it would be interesting to see how... Um, oh, what's his name? James Hooper's favourite player. Oh, Latrell. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Latrell went. Oh, he I could th- throw him. Yeah, I reckon he, I reckon he'd go close to being heavyweight. Hey, just because he's such, like, I remember seeing him in the Test match last year, and I was shocked at how big he was. Yeah, like he's a he's a fucking big dude. He might go close. Yeah. Okay, Raiders, Papali. Papali. Hard to go past him. Yeah. Roosters. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you, Jared Weary Hargraves. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd be better than Sonny Bill Williams too. Oh, one hundred percent. Eels. Well, we know Junior Junior Paula has had a fight before. Yeah. Um, he's one of my favourite players. Hey. I love watching him play. I just he's he's amazing. I'm so glad that he's playing Origin. I'd like to see Ryan Madison do some boxing training just to watch him cry because it gets too hard. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, why can I smell the ocean? Oh wait, that's salt. He hit me and it hurt my eye. Okay, the, <laughs> the storm, the storm. Um, uh, Felice Kafusi. Or, oh, um, such a massive unit, hey? Yeah. I've got that, uh, Tino Farsamalui. Yeah, the uh, dude on his way to, um, the, uh, what's it called? To the Titans, Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of those two would be pretty good. And Asifa Solomona. Well, as for Solomon, is probably the one I'd go for. Mm. Yeah. I reckon they go pretty well. I think as, as for Solomon had a practice overseas last year, didn't he? Allegedly, goddammit. Um, what, uh, what about a Smokey, Kamakamitha? Yeah, I reckon he wouldn't be too bad. He's a fucking giant. He is. And then uh, Penrith. And Penrith, well, we went with Fisher Harris, didn't we? Yeah, I'd, yeah. I just got a feeling about Fisher-Harris. I don't know what it is. I think it's the uh, Mount Druitt shinning. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. (laughs) You just get a feeling about some people you know. Absolutely. (laughs) You've seen him on the mean streets. You go, yeah, he's got what it takes. He can handle himself. That's the ones that don't talk you've got to be careful of. Yeah, that's true. Like the loud ones. Fucking... Yap, 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 yap. It's the ones yeah. that are quiet. Yeah, they're the ones that will make, do some damage. Yeah, yeah, they're the scary ones. <laughs> well, there we go. We've been through our celebrity boxing. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've done well tonight. I think we've covered a lot of issues. We have. Covered important issues. Um, what are we going to do for State of Origin? Are we going to jump on after the game? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I reckon that's what we should do and... Have a little chin wag about what we've watched. Dave, are you feeling the origin hype? Uh, no. Neither am I. I had to be reminded today that origin's on tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, look, and it's un- it's understandable. It's a weird time of the year. Um, you know, there's not they haven't done anything wrong, 
but I just I don't know. I, I'm not I'm just not feeling it. Maybe it'll be different when the game's on. I think it's just because we're not used to it. Like yeah. usually, when we see a grand final, we're going, okay, nothing happens now. Maybe an international, but it's time for cricket. Yeah, and I, I, and I don't think people really understand. Like any overseas listeners, like it is like a switch flicks. Yeah, and even as rugby league fans, you and me, it's like oh, footy season's over, and the the international rugby league games are like this really nice bonus. And but it's a different feel we have about uh, the drive to about the footy at that point. Unless it's a World Cup, then it's a bit different. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, we're, we're pretty good with our routine. So to have Origin at the end of the year, it's sort of you, it's sort of unexpected. Even though you've been told it's going to be the end of the year, you're still going. Eh, it just feels a bit wonky. Yeah, and. Uh, Yes, in my order, and because it is November, like usually the whole season is wrapped up by now. Anyway, even even most of the internationals are done by now. Yeah. So we are literally going crickets on now. Speaking yeah. of cricket, just quickly, Shane Watson has finally retired from uh, from T Twenty cricket. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He, he's challenging that decision. Is he? Yeah, he's challenging that decision. Oh, okay. Unbelievable. So, oh no, yeah. he's still he's out still. He's, he's still, still retired. Out. Oh, good, good. Um, Keeping up it's good to see he's, he's kept up his form there. <laughs> I, well, you know, when I saw him retired, I was like, holy shit. Am I stuck in 2014? Like, Is he still playing? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently he's been playing over in the uh, the IPL and has been gunning it over there. Who, yeah. who knew that being able to spank a ball around for about four or five overs would be his absolute strength? But there you go. Um, you know, bowling short, wide shit at, at 120 k's an hour. Who would have thought that'd be useful? But there you go. Um, how the fuck can, you play test cricket's got me, but there you go. Can I ask you a question? How do you feel about cricket these days? Because I used to love cricket. Like I was I, when I was younger, I used to be one of those people that I would I would like talk about. You know, who Western Australia would have batting fourth, like. Like, I was that into cricket. I was never more into cricket than rugby league, but as you say, it would get to summer and you'd just switch to cricket, you know? I used yeah. to be able to say who the top, like, 15 players were for New South Wales. I think uh, now what we had, though, is, the especially, during the, especially during the 90s, Yeah, we had so much depth in, in Australian cricket. Yeah. We could have fielded probably three international sides and they would have been the three best international sides in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um. So it was easy to remember them because you you pretty much have, you know, international Australian players either from the one-day side or the test side playing, you know, several of them in each of the states. Yeah. So you'd know who, you know, who was from which state and all that sort of stuff. Nowadays, um, that depth just isn't there. No. Um, and And what we do have playing... It's sort of concentrated, coming from like two or three different states, makes up the majority of the t- of the side. So some of the other states, you like, uh, for a casual fan, you don't know who the hell's playing. And the the other thing for me too is like, <clears throat> the the cricketers just seem like a bunch of douchebags. Well, the problem I find is, um, I really genuinely hate T Twenty cricket. Yeah, so do I. I think it's trash. It is for me. There's no skill in it because you just you just bowl erratically and no one can predict what's going on. Yeah, and the batsmen are just swinging wildly at everything. 
and takes all the skill out of it. And then you bring the border, uh, the boundaries in a fair way. So that makes it easy to hit, hit boundaries. Um, everything's just done to to help the batsman. Yeah, it reminds me like if you had a competition that was like just penalty shootouts in soccer or like rugby union sevens where it's like just shit. Like, and, and they've got no shelf life. Yeah, I think for me, the, the penalty shootout in soccer is pretty much the best comparison, except instead of having one person taking shots at the goal, it'd be two people at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And the goalkeeper is just in there going, what the fuck? And they get to use, they get to kick one ball, but there's three balls lined up. So it could be <laughs> any two of the three. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they make the goal about three kilometers long and yeah. about, about 200 meters high. And then they've got like, or the goal is the same shape, but above the goalkeeper, there's like a big circle part where it's like this special circle where if you kick it in there, you get two two goals. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, <laughs> I oh, I don't like it. And they fucked around with one with one days a fair bit. Yeah. They had a good simple format, and they started fucking around with super rovers and sort of shit. And I lost me. Yeah. Um. Plus, the other thing too was all the a lot of the international sides you knew of most of their star players. Mm-hmm. And my my favorite international team, other than Australia, when I, when I was growing up, was Pakistan. Yeah, they were an interesting team, hey. Yeah, because my favourite players were Wakar Yunus and Wazim Akram. I love the way they bowled. Mm-hmm. Um, Akram especially. He was my absolute favourite because, man, he could he could just torture a batsman for fun. Yeah. And there was an over. It's on YouTube. There was, and I remember it distinctly. Um, when they came over, I think, 93. Mm-hmm. And he just toyed with Michael Slater in the opening over of a test match. Mm. Slater was just guessing the whole way. And then in the end... Akram just went, yeah, you know what, I'll put you out of your misery now. I just got him out. What was it that Slater had an Achilles heel? What was it? Was uh, it short balls or something? His ego. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no I, can, I can guarantee you, first-hand experience, it is a short ball. It, it was a short ball. Okay, yeah, because I, I remember he had this problem and it was like, and he, or he started getting out with it again and again, and that was basically it for him. Yeah. Um, Brett Lee hit him in the head with a short ball just before he got called up to the test side from memory, and oh, yeah. it broke Slater's helmet, and he got a small cut on the side of his head. Yeah. And uh, Brett Lee got a call up to the test side after that. I'm pretty sure it was it was probably not directly after, but it was probably only a week or two after that. Yeah, yeah. That was when he made his test debut over in Perth. Um, but, yeah, that was... That was great. <laughs> I remember, do you know, I remember during a school day, me and my friend Trevor, um, we actually were in, we were in a lot of class together, but in one of the uh, math class we were in, we told the teacher we each other's names. So he was league freak and I was Trevor. Yeah. And we would answer for each other and we would put, hand our work in. We'd swap our work handed in and stuff like that. Anyway, um the West Indies were playing Australia and, and Trevor used to play for the junior New South Wales team. And so he was into cricket and I was like, I, I said, you want to go and watch the West Indies? So we had a thing where there was, we got to school and then we had a note. We both got notes so that we could leave school early. Um, and like, I'm talking like super early. 
And yeah, we went down to the SCG and watched. I remember thinking, man, I'm watching Kurtley Ambrose. I was <laughs> so happy about it. It was so cool. That would be cool. Yeah, it was amazing. I'll never forget that. Yeah, closest I got to any of that was when they played the World Cup over here in, I think it was 89 or something. Mm. And they had they played one of the World Cup games in Albury. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was Zimbabwe versus Sri Lanka or something. I can't remember. Oh, geez. It wasn't Australia playing, so everyone just went, yeah, not that keen. Yeah. <laughs> how weird was that? And look, look at us all of a sudden. Welcome to the Cricket Podcast. Um, <laughs> how, how cool here, was it? Here we are with Cricket Freak, Cricket Freak yeah. and uh, Andrew CLP. Um, (laughs) the uh that year that sri lanka come over and then and they had the they put out the uh the 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 wicket keeper and i think it was one of the bowlers or something or an all-rounder they put him into the to the top of the order i was like oh they're trying something different and they started thrashing it was like oh what's going on here and it was like you saw the start of sri lanka all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, become one of the top one-day teams. It was so cool. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty awesome. Oh, well. There's some cricket memories for you people. Yeah. Remember Ratatunga? He used to get right up to the Australians. <laughs> Big, fat dude. He was uh, great. And I then... Uh, Inzamar Mulhuk. He was good. Yeah, he was good. He, he just loved running people out. And then, I tell you what, Morley, he was the best pitcher I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, he's the only person who, who managed to make an umpire famous. I know, right? Daryl Hare. Daryl Hare, that's it. <laughs> Daryl Hare, the poor bastard. Yeah, because he, he called him out. No balling for chucking. Yeah, and the, so they changed the rules. Yeah, they said he had a bent arm or something like that. Disgraceful. Crazy. Yeah. Madness. But that You know what? They said something like, it was something along the lines of, they said in in real time you can't actually tell if someone's bending their arm a certain degree, <laughs> and then they did like these slow motion videos for Murley where it was set up not in the game like just mm. like practice nets where they were like look and his arm doesn't even stretch out that far, so and so then he you no know, one was allowed to call him for chucking anymore and he. Chucked his way into the record books. The thing is, I think because he was a slow bowler, they went, yeah, you know what, he's not endangering anyone's life. Mm. But if someone came in and they just started pegging the ball in at 180 k's an hour, they go, yeah, we need to do something about this guy. Yeah, there's like, been a couple think, of Australian bowlers like that. I think Shoab Akhtar got pulled up for for throwing. He did, yeah, he did. There was, there was an Australian player, I can't remember his yeah. name. Uh, in the past... Ah, oh, I forgot his name. But he, and like when you watched his motion, you were like, oh yeah, he's chucking. Was it, actually, was it Ray Lindwall? Oh no, I'm thinking of someone like not that long ago. Okay. It was a young bloke. Ah, oh, right. As opposed to, you know, an old but... woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've had a few of those playing cricket for Australia before. <laughs> Kim Hughes. Oh, how deep. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's one for cricket fans from the eighties. Yeah. Um right about that. Well, I guess we should probably wrap this one up now. We've ventured into a different sport. Yeah, yeah. It's been good. It's been fun. It has. Um, everybody, please 
go over to manscaped.com, um, buy anything, everything, whatever you like, um, put in the code NRL when you get into the uh, checkout there. You'll get 20% off, free shipping. That's our gift to you. You're welcome. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at uh, Freak Pod. That's the one. Yeah. Um, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. So get over there, subscribe to us on there everywhere and click on likes and thumbs up and all sort of stuff. That'd be fantastic. Share us around. Um, make sure you go to our website, FergoOnTheFreak.com, and you can leave us a comment on there, Freaky. Yeah, it's uh, if you leave, I, I've been told that there might be some issues with Androids. So if you can't if you can't leave a message via Android, try it on a laptop or something. And or you can you can write. <laughs> send <laughs> us a letter. Send us a letter. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine the sort of sort of things that people would send us. That'd be weird. Photos. Um, hey, photos. <laughs> but yeah, so go to the website, go to the contact part, get on your laptop and use it. Absolutely, because I've got to sort that out. I think something's going wrong. So yeah, too easy. Uh, make sure you leave us a five star review, and uh, we'll read them out on the podcast. And yeah, love them. Was there anything else? That's pretty much it, isn't it? That's uh, yeah, that's the lot. That's right, a lot. Origin. Next time you hear us, we'll be talking about state of origin and whatever's left of English rugby league. Yeah, we'll 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 go on a day by day moratorium of it until it actually dies. Yeah, yeah. We'll Can't count, take that we'll long, count down sure. the numbers. It's down to ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've already got rid of two teams this year. Ten to go. Yeah, expansion. It's great. Yeah. Alrighty. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch you next time.